Welcome to the Be Better Chop Shop Podcast. Why, why is it the chop house, man? The chop shop, man, because we, we chop it up and dissect the information in here. I like that. Be Better World is a movement about empowering people. Stay tuned for some really cool people, some really cool episodes, and learn what you can do to empower yourself. So welcome back to the Be Better podcast, and I am honored to have in the room with me a former fighter, a entrepreneur, a businessman. I'm in the room with Mr. Shane Fichter. How are you, sir? Good. How are you guys doing? Man, we good, man. We good. I, I um. I am so glad to have you here, man. Like we just had the opportunity to meet a couple of weeks ago, but I've had opportunity to kind of research your story, man, and, and like seriously, just from man to man, like I'm impressed, man. Seriously, seriously. Well, thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, man. So we're gonna just just jump into this, man. So I'm gonna start with the stuff that like excites me, right? All right. So so cool. so, so so tell me about the whole MMA experience, man. You're an MMA fighter for a while, man. Tell me about that, man. Yeah. So um, when I was in high school, I wrestled, yep. um, and then after high school. Um, like 18 or so, my um, best friend's dad, he was in the Navy, and he did a lot of, like, Militich training, because back in the day, Pat Militich used to work with a lot of the um, armed forces, Mm -hmm. and um, anyways, so back then, he showed us, you know, some jiu-jitsu and some some, uh, boxing, some striking, stuff like that, and then when he'd go out of town, of course, we'd get all drunk with our friends and beat the hell out of each other, you know what I mean, but... um, (laughs) Honestly, what's crazy about it is uh, after that, didn't train MMA at all. Um, you know, just a lot of stupidity. Like I said, I was, um, or like I've said, um, is uh, I was for a long time a drug addict, you know, um, really strung out. I mean, actually, I, was, I can't say that. I was in the closet about my drug addiction for a long time, and then I was strung out. <laughs> but after that whole stint, you know what I mean? I, I would definitely say that um, it taught me, honestly, how to live outside my comfort zone. And that's why I bring it up. Um, so... Anyways, I get locked up, and then, you know, while I'm in prison and jail, um, I'm working in the kitchen, but I'm, like, running, starting to really take care of myself and start looking at myself as, you know, something that can grow and can get better. And uh, that's kind of where everything switched for me and everything changed. Um, And then when I got out of being in prison or in prison and locked up, um, I ended up going to an MMA fight and um, right right down here at the Metra. And actually, while I was watching it, I just kind of had, like, just like remember what I wanted to do. So, um, you know, I started fighting at 29 years old, started fighting MMA. Um, but, um, I had the grit, you know, um, I've been in some fights, you know, that people were questionable of how I was going to be at the end of it, you know, and that's just because I don't give up, you know, and that's kind of what I live by, you know, is persistence, you know? So, um, in my MMA career, I'd say that I did a lot in a little period of time. Yeah. So I got to so I got to back up man and you brought it up so I'm assuming that you're comfortable with it and one of the reasons I wanted you on my show man because I try to put real people on my show right and I put real people who have who had some some past that they maybe not um I shouldn't say ashamed of, but they're not, they're willing to share with the average person. Right. So you, so, oh, yeah. so, so you, I mean, you talked about like being, being on drugs, man. So, so just talk about, just talk about that, man. Cause I think like people think like, yeah, you know, like you just, they see you now and we're going to get to your, your current story in a second, right. but like, yeah, just, just talk about that, man. Being, yeah, man. being on drugs, man. So what's crazy too, is like the way you just said that, you know, um, not only am I not shameful about it, um, or do I share it, but it's made me who I am today. And so like what I said is like, I never fought MMA, never trained MMA really for most of my life, but I feel like life 
and you know being a drug addict and going down that path dude it prepared me for mma it, it prepared me for an entrepreneurship you know so like think about it like this when you want to talk about like you know kids from the ghetto or people on drugs or whatever right um we're surviving so like when i was five years old dude my mom um and this is just kind of will relate to the entrepreneurs out there i guess um when i was five years old my mom would send me in the grocery store with a dollar food stamp, right? I don't know if you guys remember this, but food stamps used to be paper. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I remember. And she go in, and I go in there, right? And she go, here, honey. And she say, you know, run this into the store. Get yourself a quarter piece of candy, sucker, or something like that. I'm like, all right. Then bring mommy out the change. I said, okay. She'd do that three or four times, and she'd have herself a pack of cigarettes and a beer because they give you back the real change, right? right? Just little things like that my whole life my mom instilled in me. And then when you get to entrepreneurship or everything like that, you know, it's problem solving. But, uh, so I would say that if you want to talk about my drug addiction, and everything like that, um, I'm not shameful about it. I, I hold that on my shoulder. You know, I, um, I think it's a tool, yeah. you know, and that's what I try to speak to other drug addicts. And I mean, I was in the grimy. Um, so I was for a long time in the closet. Like I just took, um, pharmaceuticals. Um, for years, um, like I think I took my first Vicodin when I was about 18, and no, sorry, 16. Yeah, definitely 16. And um, but I didn't start like you know habitually taking them till I was about 18, and then you know being on pills and everything else. Because honestly, um, one thing I did realize actually when I got sober was, man, this is the first time I've been sober since I was 14 years old because I was always on something. You know what I mean? And um, anyways, from there on, I was just taking pills. And then I got to a point in my drug addiction at 26 that was actually when needles started coming into my life, you know, and I was using drugs IV, which is really dirty. You know what I mean? Um, but it's um, it was I was at a point in my life where the borderline of dying was what I was going for. Like I like that 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 extent of of being high. Um, was me tiltering on leaving or dying. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. Um, so self-worth and stuff, I, I don't know what, what that entails, but um, I know that I've been to the darkness to where, like, I didn't want to live anymore. You know what I mean? And I didn't. I mean, I died twice. Um, well, I, I can't say I died, but I overdosed twice. Um, you know, one time um, on ketamine and one time on um, opiates and meth mixed together. So it was horrible, horrible, horrible situation in my life. Um, but you live to talk about it. And, yeah. and, 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 and and that's the thing that I think, like, you know, on this show I have all kind of people, man, from all walks of life, right? And the ones that really get me are these right here, right? Yeah. Like, and I'm serious, man. I'm not, like, anybody who knows me will tell you, like, I'm like, I can talk to the janitor or the CEO, yep, right? Yep. But I probably prefer to talk to the janitor because right. I got way more good stories, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, so, like, so the janitor that turns into the CEO, oh, that's exactly, the guy you really want to talk to, you know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, for, you know, for me, man, to, 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 to see the level of success that you've experienced, that you are experiencing right now, I want to talk about that. So I know you do two things, and we'll talk about them separately. So I know you the patch guy. Yeah. Right? You do that. And then I want to talk about the cabinet bar. So tell me – so. T- Let's, let's, let's start with the Kava bar because I just went there. So t- yeah. tell people what Kava is first and foremost. Give them that story All you right. gave me. All right. So uh, Kava is a plant from Fiji, Tonga, or um, Hawaii, any of the Pacific islands. You know what I mean? And uh, over there, they uh, 
they drink kava. So um, over there, they take the plant and they grind up the root. And what they do is they'll knead it into like a strainer bag, you know, and makes like a kind of an earthy um, uh, drink. And they drink it out of a coconut shell. And um, they, uh, what it does is it lowers your anxiety levels and like pretty much gives you that social talkative feeling that alcohol would you give you, but with no drunken impairedness. Um, it actually opens up your mind, opens up cognitive thinking. You know what I mean? Um, kind of helps you be more creative and social, you know? So, so I went about, I've been twice now, what, yeah. about a couple of weeks ago I went. And so I got to tell, I got to tell the real, so you get this, you get this little bowl yeah. and you get this stuff that looks like dirty water. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yes, it is. All right. And so, you drink this, and then your tongue kind of goes numb. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then you are kind of eating this fruit to wash it down. And it's it's just one of those feels that I was just like, I had no idea that this even existed. So you're off of like Ninth and Broadwater. Yep. Yep. 928 right? Broadwater, right by Bold Beauty. Okay. Um, and uh, we're like right across the hallway from Sunsplash. Okay. So what... So what made you bring it here, man? So talk to me about that. All right. So me and Kobe, um, sorry. All right. So me and Kobe Jeffers, uh, we were training partners in MMA um, here in Billings, Montana. Um, we were probably like the two fighters that were actually, um, well, in Billings anyways, we were the two fighters that were, you know, um, taking it as a as a profession, you know. So anyways, we uh, went down to Florida and we were training down at Hard Knocks 365 down there. And um, <clears throat> like I said, with my uh, my drug addiction, so... And this always like links back to different stories. If you guys don't mind kind of taking a little walk. Um, so about three or four years into my sobriety, like being completely sober, I hit a really bad wall of anxiety. And, um, the doctors in the first place were the ones that kind of got me messed up on opiates in the first place. And so at that time I was going to the doctor and the doctor put me on beta blockers. So what a beta blocker is, is it's a high blood pressure medication. They put it on you to keep your heart rate down. Um, which is crazy to me because this doctor knew I was an MMA fighter, right? So she knew an MMA fighter and she knew I was an ex drug addict and she put me on beta blockers and this hydroxazine. And like, what I didn't know is that when I was going into the cage and fighting, my heart wasn't pumping fast enough to pump the blood to the rest of my extremities. You know what I mean? Like they just go into jello. And what's really crazy is, is I still won a title fight. You know what I mean? With that going down in the fourth round, sorry, not to toot my own horn, but the reason I won that fight was because of my grind, not giving up when it came to like, you know what I mean? When you want to loop back to drug addiction, but anyways, um, so in that whole stance, um, I go through like this horrible situation where, you know, uh, when I stopped taking those beta blockers, it put me into high blood pressure. You know, I started to have withdrawal effects, really made me mad. So I went back to the doctor, you know, and, and, uh, pretty much from that point on, when it came to, uh, you know, my anxiety or anything, I'm not going to the doctor. Okay. Like, um, and, and I pretty much swore off of, you know, I, I found plants really is what happened. So, um, in that anxiety, um, episode is where I found Kratom and, then now, sorry to loop back to where my story was in Florida. Um, when we were in Florida over there training at, uh, in Fort Lauderdale, um, I would, uh, the only place I could get Kratom was at a kava bar. And so we go into this kava bar and, um, when you go in this place, man, it's like beach bum atmosphere and you've got like construction workers, uh, addicts, alcoholics, 
college kids, you know what I mean? Um, and there's just this vibe in there. It's just like happy and not only happy, but like everybody's talking and socializing, right? No TV, no TV, none of that. So we sit down and um, like two or three hours goes by and we tried Kava and I was just going there to buy some Kratom, but we end up sitting down for two or three hours talking to absolute strangers. And I mean like just, just talking passionately. And um, that was like when I was like, man, this is very therapeutic. We need this up in Montana. You know, we get cold winters, you got addicts, alcoholics out here that, um, and this was just my standpoint for it. Kobe's standpoint is more for athletes. But my thought was, you know, you got addicts and alcoholics that are here in their house, battling demons in their head. And this is a place for them to go socialize. You know, you can't go um, drink, you know, people that don't drink, you know, they'll go to the bar. And a lot of times they'll do it three or four times, you know, but how many times do you get offered a tequila when you don't take it? You know what I mean? So, and this is that place where right. you go talk. Yeah. So it, it, it did have the vibe. I said it was like a, a coffee shop off steroids is, what yeah. I, is how I described it. Somebody asked me about it, right? It's like yeah. that cool, just laid back vibe that when I walked in, I was like, okay, I could yep. do this. I could do this. So, man, I like, I really, man, like your story to me is unbelievable from MMA to down at the lowest point to re reinvent yourself essentially, right? Yeah, yeah. In, in another business world, man, if you had one model or one creed that you could share with people what would that be Shane? don't give up like um you know usually when people do give up they're like right around the right around the corner from success you know what i mean mm -hmm. like i think uh was it um thomas edison you know what i mean it, like a thousand times you know and then bam he got it yeah. you know what i mean yeah so that that's definitely what i would say um and then you know i, I don't I'm sorry that I get into like so dark, you know what I mean, with the drug addiction, because I feel like sometimes I, I go a little overboard explaining those things. But, you know, I, that's the thing that I'm trying to spread out there. Um, so, like, I go speak at Rimrock sometimes, um, and, uh, and I actually try to do public speaking as much as possible. Um, I, I do get a little nervous. I get, but, uh, anyways, um, the message that I'm trying to send is that with when you get down to the lowest of the low and, and you battling that addiction, you're battling that kind of lifestyle, you're preparing yourself for life too. You've been through experiences that nobody else has. And so like drug, drug addicts, man, if they could flip their freaking mindset, turn that obsessive and that compulsive behavior towards something that's good, that's positive. Cause that's what I did. I feel like, like, I mean, really, I just figured out how to use my drug addiction in the life that I've been in to my advantage, you know, and, and then uh, with MMA, you know, self-discipline, you know, putting myself outside my comfort zone. But I mean, I did, I feel like I did a lot in a little period of time when I was in MMA. Um, I went to Thailand. Uh, we, I trained with some of the best in the world, um, at Henry Hoos gym over there. Uh, we trained with, you know, Alistair Overeem. We trained over at Easton's gym in, in Denver, Colorado with the, um, <coughs> With um, a lot of those guys from Elevated up there, um, you know, um, and anyways, then I fought a world tournament. But my point is, is that to get there in four and a half years was pretty much I just give that to my life, you know, from where I came from, my drug addiction and the mentality that has given me. Hey, I want to say this. If you want to hear the rest of the story, 928 Broadwater, Kava Roots, <laughs> go down, try Kava. Talk to Shane and Colby. Okay. 
Oh, yeah. And let them show them some support because this guy is making it happen in Billings, Montana. Hey, man, listen, I truly appreciate you taking some time because I know you got to go to the Cabo Bar now. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you coming down and taking some time to be on the show, man, and, um, you know, continue success in what you, with, with everything that you got going on, man. I yeah, man. The, the patch guy, too. Yeah. I got the drywall business. That's right. So. My bad. I should, yeah. You're good. You're good. The, the, yeah. So let, so let me back up for a second. So you got the patch guy by day, the Cabo Roots guy by night, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So go in, see Shane, 928 Broadwater, or if you need some drywall and stuff, uh, get a patch guy, call him, man, and make sure that you guys uh, check out my guy, because he's definitely doing big things in Billings, Montana. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, we're out. Mm-hmm.